The GPS DairyCast features the high-value insights of the GPS Dairy Consulting Team's trusted advisors and the owners and managers from the elite dairy farms they serve. These conversations deliver on the GPS Dairy Consulting promise to inspire change and grow leaders. Welcome to the GPS Dairy Cast. I'm Peggy Coffin from the Uplevel Dairy Podcast, serving as your host. And on this GPS Dairy Cast, we are talking about what it takes to not only build a high-performing team, but to maintain that talent as the dairy farming business grows and scales. You are going to push your own limits on excellence by listening to this conversation with Steve Abel from Abel Dairy Farm and his GPS advisor, Dr. Rob Bender. Welcome, Rob and Steve, to the GPS DairyCast. And to start out, let's take a moment to have each of you introduce yourselves. Rob, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do with GPS Dairy Consulting. Absolutely. Yeah, my name is Rob Bender. I'm a nutrition and management consultant with GPS Dairy, located on a Watertown, Wisconsin. Uh, I work with dairies in Wisconsin primarily and then also into Michigan. And Steve, take a moment to introduce yourself too. I'm Steve Abel from Abel Dairy Farms, family farm. I farm with my dad and my brother. I be, I guess, co-owner and CEO and in charge of basically most of the day-to-day operations on the farm. So Steve, I understand that your dairy has been in growth mode, going through some growth and expansion in the past year. Give us a snapshot of what has been going on and where you're at today. Sure. So we were 1800 cow dairy for quite a few years. Hadn't really expanded beyond maybe some vertical integration on the dairy. Uh, and always the long-term plan was to grow and modernize the dairy. And we had a parlor that was 25 plus years old and time to update. We decided that we wanted a rotary parlor and, and we wanted to make that efficient. So we, we grew from the 1800 cows to about 4,200 cows, uh, help of an 80-stall rotary and a couple new tunnel ventilated barns. Basically, we're pretty green to this. We've only been at it now for since February when we moved into the parlors. All pretty fresh stuff. So, Steve, it's all been in 2023 that you've made these leaps and changes from 1,800 cows to 4,200 cows. And now you have the rotary parlor. Now, Rob, you are Steve's advisor. You've been by his side through this expansion, but this is what you do. You're the trusted advisor at the table with a lot of very progressive dairy farmers as they grow and scale. How do you see the most successful owners and decision makers changing the way that they lead their teams in response to the growth and scale of their business in the way that Steve has? Yeah, I think it's it's really easy to think as a dairy producer, it's easy to think about the substantial investment that you're making. So you think about the capital expenses, you think about the building infrastructure, you even think a lot about feed purchases or animal purchases, those type of things that are certainly top of mind. And a lot of dairies will quickly turn to IT and different technologies and stuff that are being implemented too. I think the harder one to think about though is probably the leadership development and what the leadership team at the dairies looks like both during the expansion and post-expansion. And so in, in this case in particular, Steve and I have spent some time working on developing the mid-level management team, which is really important to, to Able Dairy and other dairies. And Steve's done an outstanding job of making sure that team is in place. So in general, looking at dairy owners that make that jump, I think 
it's been a progression of change for dairy owners. They've gone from being the ones doing the work themselves to managing the people doing the work over a course of time. And then there's one more shift where they're managing people doing the work to developing the leaders at the dairy, giving up quite a bit of control, allowing them to make mistakes, allowing them to grow. And they're really the ones now managing the people doing the work. So it's quite a progression over time. And it's one that Steve has executed pretty successfully. Yeah. And so we've been, I want to say working at our middle management group here for quite a few years. It starts initially started with Jim Barmore emphasizing that to us. And we took that pretty serious and we started having our weekly team meetings with our guys, our middle managers. And, and we take those meetings pretty serious. We close the door, we sit down, everybody brings a couple challenges or ideas to the table. We work our way around, we take minutes. And then we share those minutes with everybody else in our management team, including the consultants. So we get pretty quick feedback on that. Anytime you can develop a middle manager rather than trying to hire a middle manager, I think you're better off because you have those guys already ingrained in your culture. And I think we've always done a pretty good job of that, but in an expansion, it's about systems and you're constantly changing your systems. And you need the help of your middle managers to, to dial in those systems. And, and when you do that, you're growing not only count numbers, but the number of people that you, your guys are managing and it creates some challenges. And I think in, as part of this, we realized maybe we didn't have some of the right guys in the right spots, or we needed to change some of their roles over time. And it, it became pretty evident pretty quickly to, to Rob and I that, that we needed to make some changes once we got into this expansion. So this is a process of really bringing up those next leaders within your team. And as you said, Steve, it's easier to look within the team than to look outside of who's already got a seat on your bus to find them. So what did that process look like for you? Yeah. So for maybe it was a little different for Rob from his point of view, but for mine, we just felt that there was a couple guys that were, I'd say, underutilized. They had some more potential. Maybe we could grow them a little bit. You're always just, we concentrate on work and we don't concentrate on growth as managers or leaders. And so in our case, we took one guy and we made him operations manager. We felt he was underutilized as our parlor manager and our herd manager was probably in a position where he was with the added cow numbers, and it was going to be difficult for him to really deal with all the extra people. We made some changes. We actually, we started with doing the org, we redid our organizational chart and figured out who was going to be responsible for who and who was going to re be responsible for what duties. And we grew it from there. And then we took that baseline approach and grew it out a little bit, consulted with Rob, sat down to had several meetings with the middle managers and, and because we had to get them to buy in too. This wasn't just, okay, this is your new job and you're going to be responsible for this and suck it up. So in our case, I, we didn't over rush it, but we realized that if we were going to be successful over the long haul, we needed to get our hands around it pretty quick. Rob, what was your role? What were some of the ways that you were able to help assist with this big project of creating the system for identifying, engaging, getting buy-in and elevating those individuals to become managers and leaders? Yeah, I think there were a number of steps we took throughout the process and, and Steve and I consulted on it throughout the time. And it was interesting in Steve's case, it's not like this was always all done before the expansion. There were pieces done before the expansion, I would say, 
there were pieces that were ongoing during the expansion and then there were revisions made probably after things started to get more settled because I think there, there's so many changing pieces at the dairy when there's an expansion of the scale that there's things you anticipate and then there's probably things you don't anticipate and different people's strengths suit different roles. So it's not always probably about giving people more responsibilities. It's probably fitting, fitting the job to the right person or figuring out where their strengths are and matching them. So I think in Steve's case, what we really did was we evaluated, took a step back and evaluated where they're at now. And we heard him say, we did the org chart from where he's at now, and then where we need it to be in the future based on the changing dairy size and scope and responsibilities. And there were a couple of roles. So we worked mostly within the existing staff to figure out how we're going to fill them and, and implement it going forward. And so I think most of that process is done, but in a lot of ways, you're really never done with that because you're always trying to grow and develop the next level management, the next people up, right? Because mid-level managers are very hard to find. And if you can develop them, as Steve said, at the dairy, you'll be a lot more successful. That's what we did at Ables. So it seemed to work quite well, I would say. So what I hear from you is when you really break this down into steps, as both of you have articulated here, the process started long before the expansion. You were having these conversations, starting to look within the team. And then one of those first steps was to look at that organizational chart and figure out who is in what spot, who could be moved, and who has the potential to go somewhere else and answering the question of where are we now and where are we headed? and identifying those holes, looking for the ways to fill them. Are there any other steps you've seen, Rob? You sit down and have these conversations with a lot of dairies. You are that outside eye that can bring in ideas from other places. What's worked? What hasn't worked when it comes to building that high-performing team? Yeah, I think the uh, one of the overlooked pieces, and Steve and I actually talked a lot about this. If you wanted to Google a org chart for a dairy farm, you could do that pretty quickly and find what kind of the standard boilerplate model is for dairies, right? And you could start to fit people in, whatever. But I think one of the overlooked things is how much it really needs to be customized for the individual farm. All dairies have different people, different stakeholders, different systems in place, different things they're managing. There's slightly different variations of that. So it's probably okay to take a standard one and then revise it from there, which is in some ways we did with Ables. But the customization piece is really important. That's going to be what makes the difference for each dairy. And Steve, any other steps that you would add to this process of really being able to bring up people within your team and maybe even something that was a learning lesson along the way? Yeah, so sometimes you actually stumble across things accidentally, right? Hey, we did this really well, but we got there in kind of an unusual way, right? And I think that's close without seeing that you're not going to get it right the first time. We had a lot of planning that went into this. And I would say the one thing I underestimated the most was the systems and how much the systems on the farm were going to change. So we spent a lot of time talking about who was going to do what and how the expansion, how we were going to bring cows in, how we were going to get them milked, how we were going to do that kind of stuff. But when systems change, People need to change a little bit too. Managers need to change. They, you're putting employees in different situations that like their people maybe won't be as successful in some things, or maybe there's challenges they're not prepared to deal with. And we, I would say we underestimated that a little bit. And so the first, the first several weeks of an expansion, when you're bringing the cows in and starting the systems up, you're just trying to keep your head above water. 
And at some point, you start standing there and looking at looking out and saying, you know what, this is going okay, but how do we become elite again? We thought we were a pretty good team before, and how do we get back there? And I would say being able just to sit down and have candid conversations with your guys, with your middle managers, maybe even with some other guys on the team that aren't middle managers, and then getting a different perspective from somebody like Rob, where he can talk to those guys as well, and maybe get a little different feedback from them that maybe they don't want to give the boss or the owner. Putting those things together all at, at, in the end, I think really helped us get this dialed in. And I'll be honest with you, there's probably going to be changes that, that come out of this. I don't, want to, I don't want anybody to think we got this right the first time because I don't think we did. But people grow, people change, people leave the dairy, people, you bring people in, the opportunity there. Being prepared to make changes, I think, is also going to be really important as we go forward. Steve, you just mentioned the systems in place and how you make those system changes. It does require that extra effort and buy-in to get people on board. And so I'm curious, what did that look like? What were the action steps or the processes? Was it more meetings? What did that look like to be able to bring that team up to speed so that you could see yourself getting back on track to be elite again? The first thing to do that you need to do is listen to your guys. Don't sit there and try and cram, okay, this is how we're gonna do it, right? Now there's always a few things that, you know, as, a, as an owner or CEO, you gotta say, you know, this is really important in the dairy and we're gonna do it this way or we're gonna do this. But getting that candid feedback from these guys and realizing that system that you drafted and, you know, we're gonna implement, maybe wasn't, you didn't have that thought through properly, or you didn't foresee a few things. And I would say that's probably, you know, what you just need that constant feedback. And I don't think you can do it just by having meetings. You need impromptu meetings. You need to be out there when things are going on and being able to take that feedback. And sometimes it's not even from the middle manager. Maybe it's, you're hearing things from, from people that, that are underneath your middle manager and saying, Hey, I, this is what I see going on, whether it's for example, how you feed the cows, what order you feed the pens and your feed manager to think, might think it's going fine. But then as you start getting feedback from your herd crew saying, you know what, this would be a lot better if we changed this or made this different, made, made a different plan and getting that feedback and waiting for a meeting, I think is sometimes you missed an opportunity. Now to get all the stakeholders in the room and have a meeting, that's important, but I think being prepared when you get to that meeting. So. It, nothing surprises you. You're prepared to talk through these processes and make a change coming out of that meeting. I think it's pretty important. Steve, thank you for really opening up the dialogue on this subject. And what I'm hearing from you is one of the most important steps in being able to accomplish what you want to accomplish here is taking the time to listen and not just as the structured meetings with your mid-managers, but like you said, the impromptu meeting out in the field, in the barn, side by side with your folks who are doing the work and some of the team members that maybe you don't interact with so much. Guys respect an owner that's willing to get a little bit dirty, right? It's, it's not that you need to be out there doing the work for them, but truly being out there and understanding the challenges that they're having. And I don't think you're going to get that from a meeting room. Now, it's your job to, to pull that together maybe in the meeting, but getting out there and saying, you know what, you're right. I didn't really understand the challenges that you're going through. For us, it's not that I'm out in the barn all the day, all day working, pulling cows and doing things like that, but truly understanding how, what they're going through, I think 
is an important piece to this. And if you're going to be the one running the meeting, sometimes you might have other people running the meeting, right? So it's, but I think they need to understand it's not just taking minutes and running the meeting. It's truly understanding what they're dealing with. Yeah, I would say it's kind of interesting in the case of Able Dairy because allowing, developing people is hard, right? Developing leaders is really hard. And Steve's first point that he just made was about listening to your people, listening to your managers, helping them inform what the new system is or new protocol or whatever, right? Sometimes that means empowering people such that what they're bringing up as an idea may not quite be right. It may not be exactly the way you think it's going to turn out. And I, I think Steve would agree. There's cases that we knew something wasn't going to be quite be right, but it was a manager's idea or it was their, their initiative to bring it forward. So you kind of let them try it. And it turns out Steve and I might be surprised. Oh, there are some really good things there, but we got to revise it a little bit. We got to change something. Letting people make mistakes, I think is really important. Steve's got a good pulse on everything. So you're not going to let them fail miserably, right? That's not going to happen, but you do let them make mistakes. You let them learn and that's how you develop them. And then they feel more willing to bring forward ideas when they have them in the future. And especially in this case, I think that's worked out well. That's helped empower people and the dairy's in a really good place as a result. As you said, the dairy is a good place. Steve, your quest was to get back to that elite level. So now that you are several months into this expansion, in the new Rotary, the team is engaged. What are some of the wins that you can chalk up right now? Oh boy, we're still all talking to each other, right? We're still all friends and we get along. Nobody quits. I would say probably the number one win that I would say is that Nobody left in this process. So we were about six months into this and, and we didn't have a single employee quit. And I, I did not see that coming. I anticipated there was going to be some people that weren't going to fit where we wanted them to fit and, or we didn't have a spot for them. And that truly didn't happen. Now the next phase, right, is trying to get better, to find those little issues that we're dealing with and move, move forward, if that makes sense. So you went through the expansion going from 1,800 to 4,200 cows. You put in a new rotary, a new system, and not one single employee left. They must really like you, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I said either that or we're overpaying everyone. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> well, congratulations. That is a win. And Rob, back to you again. Here you are, the GPS consultant, the trusted advisor, a key member of the leadership team at this dairy. When you sit back and look at what this expansion has looked like, the growth and scale of Maple Dairy Farm, what do you see as the wins here? Yeah, good good question. What are the wins? I, I do think it's really cool to see how empowered people feel at the dairy. I think that's one of the major wins. The dairy went through so much change. There's so many things changing over the course of the last year, probably, but especially the last six, seven months, right? But people still feel willing to come forward with ideas or come forward with a change or a management change or a protocol or whatever. It's not a top, it's not a top down driven structure. And I think that's a sign of success when you're developing people, right? They feel empowered to bring something up. Doesn't mean they're always right. Doesn't mean that's the way it's going to be. But I would say that's one of the biggest wins at Able Dairy is people are willing to bring forward ideas and make changes as needed. So people stuck around. The dialogue and conversation is open. Seems like everybody's on the same page with that goal of getting better and going after the next level of excellence. Yeah, I think everybody's looking for the next challenge. When yeah, I'm, I'm like, one of my fears is people are going to get bored. They've been, 
they've been going at this for quite a while here and as our, our goal as an owner is to to get there as quick as you can and get things smoothed out, so to speak. And our guys have been dealing with that for quite some time. And I'm sure they'll welcome the more normal enormity that if there is such a thing that, that we'll get there. But yeah, I it'll be interesting. I, we're looking forward to the next step, getting that extra milk back, getting uh, you know, the, the getting to know these cows that we bought a little bit better and getting things getting things like we mentioned earlier back to an elite level. So so when you look at where you came from, what you're doing right now, where you're headed, what does all of this make possible for you, Steve, as a dairy owner? What are some other results that you're seeing and experiencing now? Yeah, so there, there's two parts of it. The first part, I would say, is allowing you as a CEO to be the CEO and not have to deal with the challenges on the farm. And when they do come to you, it can be a it can be, they can discuss like a win. It does, it's not always we're dealing with problems, right? They dealt with the problem and then you get the feedback and here's what happened. So that I'm really looking forward to. And I can already see some of that happening there. As people grow in those roles, they take it personal and they like the wins too, right? And on a personal level, it allows you, especially after an expansion, because that's all you think about. You're worried about the construction and then you're worried about the, uh, the buying cows and curing the feed and all the other things that go with that. And now you get a chance to take a little bit of a breath and say, you know what, now I can go golfing this, this week, or I can do whatever. It's not about, I'm dealing with all those the challenges that, that pop up. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that maybe just a little bit more and let, letting the guys that we've developed to take care of some of those things as they pop up. And would you say you're putting out fewer fires? Oh, definitely. Yeah. We used to, the joke always was we're full-time firemen and part-time farmers or dairymen. Yeah. I would say a good middle management team really helps alleviate some of those things. You hear about the fire, you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily the one putting it out. And Rob, here again, you work very closely with a lot of other very progressive dairy producers that are in the same position. They're striving for excellence, striving to be those elite herds. What is your advice for other dairies out there that want that high-performing middle management as part of their team as they scale and grow their dairy farming businesses? Yeah, it's hard. I, mean, I think Steve would probably admit it's not the easiest thing he does every day, probably. But you got to be willing to take risks. You got to be willing to jump in and just keep at developing your people on developing the management team because it will be rewarding over time. But it's probably not something we're all naturally trained to do. It's not the first thing we learn to do. We're typically deer producers are very kinesthetic, hands-on individuals. So sitting in a meeting room and trying to develop people is a very tough thing to do, but you got to stay at it because it will yield dividends over time. Like what Steve talked about. Being willing to take risks and just jump in and do it, I think would be the most important things. Thanks for sharing that, Rob. And Steve, from your perspective, how valuable has Rob been through this process? What's it been like to have somebody that is on your side and able to help you see through and achieve these goals? Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, it's hard to actually put into words how valuable something is. But Rob, I don't want to, it's, maybe this is an overused term, but he gets it, right? He knows what we're going through. He sees it on other dairies. He's another set of eyes and ears that that you don't have to... He's not going to pull his punches. If he sees something going on, it's, it's been, it's okay. This is an uncomfortable subject, but we got to talk about it kind of thing. Just throw it out there. We're, we've all got thick skin. We're big boys and we'll take care of it. And 
it's nice to get that feedback without having to ask for it. And, uh, and just what I was saying that we have the same goals. He's trying to make our dairy better. He understands the value of developing our leaders on the farm here. And uh, he's a big part of helping that happen. So. And as we close out this GPS dairy cast, the mission of GPS dairy consulting is to grow leaders and inspire change. And Steve, you just talked about the role that Rob has played in helping you in many ways to do this at your dairy. Are there other ways that you've been able to work together to do those things? Yeah, I'd say that GPS is unique in, in the fact that they're big on the networking side of it. So we, they're not afraid to get their clients together. They're not afraid to have one, one client talk to another client. Hey, they're really successful at this. Maybe we should go talk to them kind of thing. And I think it, it helps us all get better as dairymen. And some of that's through meetings. They have, they have a great leaders forum that many of us have been to, and that's part of it. Um, it it's a small industry and by getting the right people together and helping them deal with issues, whether they're having it or, hey, we feed off each other a little bit and we can grow each other just by, by networking. That's been, I don't want to say invaluable, but it's been, a, to me, it's one of the underrated values that the GPS brings to the table. Thank you, Steve. Rob, anything else you'd like to add? No, I think to build off of Steve's point, the dairy industry is a wonderful industry that's still very open to having dairy producers learn from each other. And that's one of the things we try and do is facilitate that process. So getting people in the same room that have experienced similar things or slightly different things that they can learn from is definitely a great way to learn. You don't definitely don't need to claim you have all the answers, but when you look around the room at other people that are very high performing, you can learn a lot from them. So that's one of the goals, certainly. And that is the mission of GPS Dairy Consulting, growing leaders and inspiring change. Thank you to Steve and Rob for jumping on with us for this GPS Dairy Cast. I'm your GPS Dairy Cast host, Peggy Coffin from the Up Level Dairy Podcast. And thank you for listening. The GPS Dairy Cast features conversations that deliver on the GPS Dairy Consulting promise to inspire change and grow leaders. If this GPS DairyCast has you looking for more ways to become an elite dairy producer, find more information in our show notes on how you can add a GPS advisor to your team. And you won't want to miss the GPS Dairy Leaders Forum, an exclusive leadership event with two days of learning and networking, more than 20 world-class speakers, and nine interactive breakout sessions. The 2023 Dairy Leaders Forum will be December 5th through the 7th at Mystic Lake Hotel in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Inspire, dream, learn, do and become more. Find forum details in the show notes.